Oh man, I love Sundays. I do. Oh, they're so restful. Oh yeah, there we go. Feeling a bit snackish. Look at that. Perfect. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Wonder if anything good's on. We are underway. Third round of the 83rd Masters. And Zach Johnson, rounds of 74 and 73, gets one back here at the par five. Second. Golf is really, really and boring. He's made a living with a wedge. In this video, we're going to learn how to do the basic puff stitch. Uh, puff stitch is usually done so on the foundation. The Half stitch. double crochet. Rusty's been asking, or double so crochet. I, I... So I started out with know. a chain two and then did a half double crochet. Got it for the blues. Bad memories. Really bad memories. Gets to go from the. <laughs> oh, good memories. <laughs> this is when they couldn't count to 12. Remember that? They lost the Grey Cup. Uh, <laughs> nothing's on. You guys still here? All right, I guess you're not going to go until I preach, so we could probably arrange that. We're going we're gonna to continue on in the sermon series we've been looking at, Live to Worship. And if you remember last week, Pastor Rusty talked about work as worship, and we're going to look at the other side of that coin, which is rest as worship. Uh, sorry if I still got chips on me. Um, rest as worship, and, and it really these two ideas are related, work and rest. They are, as I said, two sides of the same coin. And so this is more or less to complete a thought that we began last week. And so we're going to look at the same uh, scripture passage that Rusty used to um, let us all know that we have been created in God's image to work. And in the same way, we've also been created in his image to rest. Genesis 2, 1 to 3 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. And so we see here in this passage, in the account of creation, that God himself chose intentionally to rest from his work of creating. And in the same way, he says, you and I are created in his image to follow that example. An example of rest that he thought was so important that he even commanded it of his chosen people, the Israelites, saying, keep the Sabbath and keep it holy. So just as we are made in God's image to work and to worship him in our work, we've also been created in his image to rest and worship him in our rest. But then what does it mean then? What does it mean to have our rest be an actual act of worship? And this morning, I think there are four factors that will help give us a more full or complete picture of what the Bible teaches about how we are to refresh ourselves in rest and to worship God while doing so. Please pray with me once more. Father, we have sung of how you are the well within us. It will never run dry. We have looked at the passage of Scripture that, that says that you created, you worked, and you rested, and you've commanded the same of us. And I pray that we would come to the truth of your word in a way that is, is humble to allow that truth to speak deeply enough into our lives that it would change the way that we live and how we have our relationship with you. We pray this this morning. Amen. 
Now, we've been created to work and to rest, and the key here is balance. The key is balance. And so there may be some of you here who are on the side of the spectrum where you're like, rest is worship. This is going to be the greatest sermon ever. I've got it all down pat. I rest with the best of them. So like maybe it was last week's sermon about work that you found maybe incredibly challenging. But I would wager a guess that if you're anything like me, it is the, the work or the busyness or the tasks that tend to dominate my time and experience in life. And it is the rest that tends to go by the wayside. And, and be hard to achieve the balance on that end of the spectrum. And, and much of the sermon this morning will be operating under the assumption that we don't always rest as well as we could or we should, that that is the way in which we are out of balance. But what should this balance be? I think it's important to note, it's not by accident at all, that God himself rested on one day out of seven. And in addition to that, it was the same mandate he gave his children to rest, to carve out one day out of seven to make sure uh, that they were not working each and every day. I firmly believe that when we are able to achieve this proper and appropriate balance between work and rest, we are able to thrive. That's what the Bible teaches. It's my belief, but it's not limited to those sources. Came across an article in the New York Times written in July of last year, and I just uh, share with you a bit of this article now. A New Zealand firm that let its employees work four days a week while being paid for five says the experiment was so successful that it hoped to make the change permanent. I'm also going to drop off a copy of this article at the CMT after, because I think it sounds like a great idea. Work for four, get paid for five. Any amens out there? The firm, Perpetual Guardian, which manages trusts, wills, and estates, found the change actually boosted productivity among its 240 employees who said that they spent more time with their families exercising, cooking, and working in their gardens. The firm ran the experiment, which reduced the work week to 32 hours from 40 in March and April this year and asked two researchers to study the effects on staff. Jared Haar, a human resources professor at Auckland University of Technology, said employees reported a 24% improvement in work-life balance and came back to work energized after their days off. Supervisors said staff were more creative, their attendance was better, they were on time and they didn't leave early or take long breaks, Mr. Haar said. Their actual job performance didn't change when doing it over four days instead of five. And so we see from scripture, from experience, from studies, that when we can achieve a balance between work and rest, we can thrive. And the key is finding that balance. But there's a problem. And the problem is that in our society today, our rest is under attack. It seems to be elusive and harder and harder to achieve. Now, when I was preparing for my sermon, on my first round of my notes, I said, insert a, st- a statistic that will prove how busy we are, how full our schedules are. But you know what? When I started to, to poke around, I found recent studies that said something quite different. Um, there was a study that was making the rounds this past year that said, we don't put in any more time at work now than our, uh, four, our uh, forebears did 50 years ago. We're spending just as much time at work now as we were 50 years ago. It's only changed about maybe one to two hours on the average. No more time at work than it used to be. And there's a common complaint that we're not able to spend as much time with our families or kids. But the research also showed that we are able to spend almost twice as much time with our kids as our parents or grandparents did 50 years ago. 
So then the question is, why are we so busy? Why do we feel so busy if the main obligations of our life are actually taking no much more uh, amount of our time than it was before? I believe there's two different reasons for that. Um, the study agreed with it. Number one, they said that the busyness has become a status symbol in our culture. One difference is 50 years ago, you proved your success and your wealth by how much leisure time you had. So if you were wealthy, you could go on all these vacations and get away from work, and that's how you proved your status. But today, it's flipped right around on its head, and success is determined by how busy you are, how productive you are, how much you work. That is what's appreciated and celebrated in our culture today. And so subconsciously or consciously, we buy into this, and we create busyness in our lives, whether it's good or otherwise. And we'll see that this even weasels its way into our conversations in, in, in the church foyer. It'll be like, oh, how are you this week? Oh, good. Busy, though. Pretty busy this week, right? Well, I'm not alone in that. We all do that. And one of the reasons is the celebration of busyness in our society today. And so then we create more busyness for ourselves as a product of that. And secondly, we are more connected to our work than ever. We can't put it down. We have emails or texts uh, or, or, or we just uh, we go online. And in many ways, we carry our work with us, literally and figuratively, wherever we go. And so we feel like we can't get away. This nine-to-five job is almost a thing of the past. So whether it's through shift work or whether it's through its technology, we just feel like we can't get away from work. And so here we are, and we are busy. So, so let me tell you this. I don't think that we're not legitimately busy. We are busy. But I will say that a lot of what we're busy with is of our own choosing. And so if that's the case, then we can choose to rest just as we can choose to fill our our, our schedule with all of these other things. And it is important to have that type of rest in our life. Because if we live without any margins, if we're going uh, 100 miles an hour all the time, it's a surefire way to burn out and to be of no use to the work that you've been called to do, whether that's as a spouse or a parent, an employee or a Christ follower. We need to have some margins in our life. They are necessary. They're not a waste of space. They are important. Uh, I drive a, a standard vehicle. I love uh, shifting and driving like that. It's great. Uh, and uh, because you have some extra control, uh, they give you an instrument on the instrument panel uh, that, that uh, tells you how many RPMs your engine's going. I had to look up the name of that. Does anyone know what the name of that instrument is? Tachometer, yeah. I looked it up, and I thought it was like taco meter, which uh, <laughs> sounded delicious but wrong. Uh, so, then, so then I verified with Karen. It's probably a tachometer, yeah, that would, go with attack, right? So that's good. So it's there for a purpose, for a reason, because it gives you a red line, and if you have uh, the RPMs get too high for too long, and you stay in that red line, you can actually do damage to your vehicle, to your engine, and it won't operate the way it ought to anymore. And the same is true in our lives, that if we're redlining it day in and day out, then at some point, we run the very real risk of doing damage to ourselves in a way that won't allow us to operate the way God intends. We will burn out. We will do damage. Now, I should make, make sure you understand that there are times in our life where our margins are gone and we run around and it's crazy. Just, just ask any farmer in harvest season, right? There's no margins during harvest. Just ask any student who's cramming for finals or trying to write a thesis paper. It's all there is in your life for that season. Just ask any young parents who bring home a bundle of joy for the first time. Your margins are gone. 
But that is for a season. That is for a time. If we all of a sudden find ourselves in that season day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, then we are at the very real risk of burnout. And that, I do not believe, is God's design or his desire for you and I. So the first factor to have our rest as worship is that we need to fight for it. We need to fight for our rest. And I use combative language there on purpose because there are so many things, as we've acknowledged, that vie for our time and our energy and our attention. And if we think that rest is just something nice, like a cherry on top, we'll push it to the side, we'll lose our margins, and we will live in the red line. So this rest does not always happen naturally. To fight for your rest talks about intentionality and priority. Intentionality and priority. God knew this. That's why he gave to the children of Israel a command, a law. He said, carve out boundaries. This is a day set aside for rest and for worship. Because God knew that if he didn't mandate that, it would get pushed to the side and we would work and work and work and not slow down. The same is true for us. And I would say to you, it is okay to prioritize your rest as long as it brings you into that proper and appropriate balance the way that you were created to be. So we have a first little bit of homework here. I would love for you all to take some time to assess your life and your schedule just to find out where is your time going and where can you afford to pull back in order to reprioritize rest in your life. It is something worth fighting for. But not only do you want to find time to rest, you want to fill it with things that you love. This is not my most profound sermon point. Do things that you love. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Andrew. I'm I'm glad I came here this morning to learn such depth of knowledge from you. Uh, But it's important. It's important to make sure that we do the things that we love. I'll point us to a passage in Ecclesiastes. If you've never had a chance to read the book of Ecclesiastes, you should. Uh, The the author was was in a certain mood, and I would call that certain mood really depressed. And the whole nature of the book is like, we work and we toil in vain and we all die eventually, so we may as well eat, drink, and be merry while we're at it because it's all in vain. Uh, But he makes, uh, even within this mood and within this type of book, he makes a few profound uh, um, points about the human experience. I can pick up in chapter 9, verse 7. He says, go, eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Bread and wine, so it's not not gluten-free, probably. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that has been given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom and shield to which you are going. You get a sense of of the nature of the book. But in here, we see two important threads. We see, first of all, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Work as worship, what Rusty mentioned last week. But prior to that, when you have the opportunity to rest, rest well. Eat and drink and be merry and, and be with the ones whom you love. That is approved by God. Enjoy your rest. Don't just fight for it, but then enjoy it. You know, a good preacher will always give points of application, but this is one time where I can't tell you exactly what you should do because we're all put together differently. So we will all relax differently. Are you an introvert like I am? Then uh, find something you can do alone. Are you an extrovert? Then use your rest time to recharge in the presence of others. Do you like to watch or read? 
play board games, or work and create with your hands? Do you love to experience the outdoors or just curl up in pajama pants in front of the fire? I don't know. That's you. Do what you love to do. Do what God has designed and created you to enjoy. This is the good second piece of homework. Don't just assess your schedule. Make time for it. Then fill it with something good, something that you love. By the way, work is not a hobby. You can't carve out time for rest and then just go back and do more work. You know, that, that's, not, that's not a hobby. A good friend of mine reminded me that you are a human being, not a human doing. So at some point, we need to find space just to be however that works for you. Last week, Rusty led us through an exercise that I like to do it again. So I'd like everyone to close their eyes. Just close your eyes. I want you to imagine what your paradise is. Now let's... Let me add one more thing. This needs to be a realistic paradise, a place that, where you can go, where you could be, a place that you love to be, where you feel at peace and you can just take a deep breath, just be. What is that paradise for you? What does it look like for you? This, this is where you should enjoy your rest. This is what it means to enjoy your rest. This is something that I think is, is God-given. Okay, open your eyes. You too. Al, open your eyes back up, please. No sleeping. Everybody's back with me? We're back? Okay, good. Now, we need to do what we love to do. We want to enjoy our rest. There are two ways, though, that, that steal, there are two things that steal our joy in our relaxation. Number one, it is not restful if you are feeling guilty while you rest. So if you're somebody who puts their feet up and then you're um, feeling guilty about not doing all this work, even though you're in the state of resting or in the action or inaction of relaxing, if you're be feeling guilty, it will rob you of any type of, of, of recharging that, that can go on there. So don't feel guilty. I truly believe God has designed us to do the things that we love, guilt-free, in proper balance. It always comes back to balance. But secondly, it isn't restful if we spend our time worrying about something else. And now I'm preaching to myself because I'm a worrier. And I've found that, that I don't actually rest very well watching TV. I want to do something that engages my mind because otherwise, if it's just kind of a blank slate, which tends to happen, uh, then, then all of a sudden all these things I'm not doing enter my mind and I'm worried about work or m more my, my life situation or things that I ought to be doing. And this worry or anxiety over the future will just kind of creep in. And even though I might be sitting down and relaxing, it isn't restful anymore because I'm dealing with worry. So to enjoy your rest is to find what you love and then to experience it guilt-free and worry-free as much as you can. And we can rest guilt and worry-free because that is what God desires of us. He has created us to have this proper balance in our life. And yet, our picture of rest so far is incomplete. What we have is a good picture of self-care. Fight for your rest. Carve out boundaries. Do what you love. These are good things, but it is a picture of self-care. In order for our rest to be worship, we need to redeem it. It needs to become, thing, become something so much more. I'd like to draw our attention back to the, the core passage of our whole series, Romans 12, where Paul writes to the Roman church, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
and has been explained before that to offer your body as an act of worship is to offer everything that you are, your whole self, every area of your life. We have learned and been reminded week after week that everything we do should be an act of worship to God, and that includes our rest. We acknowledged a week ago that sometimes we tend to hold our work life separate. Okay, God, you can have these other parts of my life, but, but this is my work. You know, this is, this is what I do for a living. It kind of exists in its own little silo or cocoon, and, and then we let God have other areas, and we, we push back on that. We say, no, our work is worship. But I would say that one of the hardest places to have be an act of worship in our life is not always our work. It's actually our rest. We become so self-absorbed in our rest, and we, we tend to squirrel it away from God. We even talk about it this way. We say, I'm going to go have some me time, right? This is me time to relax, to refresh. This is my time. I'll go back and I'll be with God and with others later. But that is not truly rest as worship. That is just rest as self-care. And if we want to have this be an act of worship, we need to redeem our rest. Redeeming rest is all about inviting God in to be a core part of that relaxing experience. Inviting God in. Asking him to be a part, to be with you as you rest. Now, this isn't for for God's benefit. God is with you whether you realize it or not. He's already there. The invitation isn't for for his sake, it's for your sake. So that we can rest in such a way that we are mindful of God with us. That we are intentional about enriching our relationship with him. Of we are able just to be with him in his presence. And when we invite God into our rest, it moves from an act of self-care into an act of worship as it enriches our relationship with him. There are some really pointed questions that we may need to ask ourselves. If we are truly willing and we desire to open up our rest uh, uh, to our relationship with God, to have this be worship, to invite him in, then maybe there are some things that we do during our rest time that actually are not very God-honoring, that perhaps are almost irredeemable. If God is to be with us, if this is to be worship, we need to choose the activities of our rest very carefully. I'll ask you a few questions. Can you rest and worship while watching Game of Thrones? Can your rest be an act of worship if it means being addicted to other people's opinions of you on social media? Is it possible for your rest to be an act of worship if you require the use of a substance just to wind down and relax in the first place? Is it an act of worship? These are pointed questions. I'm not going to answer any of those questions for you. That's your job. That's more homework. But the reality is that if rest is worship for us, then that will have an effect on how we determine the activities we choose as we relax. That will have an effect. And it's necessary then to look at that, but it's also important for us to put a positive perspective on this too, because we all need to discover creative ways to have our rest enrich our relationship with God. This is not just about the things we can't or should not be doing, it's much more so about what we should be doing. It's not about what we should subtract, but much more about what we can add in to the routine of rest that exists in our life. What can we add? What can we add to our rest that will enrich our relationship with God? I'm going to be honest with you all here. I, 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 I like to fight for rest. I like to carve out boundaries. I like to find time to recharge and refresh. 
I do that fairly well. What I find difficult is to invite God to be a part of that, to redeem my rest. This is, this is hard to do. Sometimes it goes against the natural routine and habits that I have personally. But one place where I find this easier to do is when I'm relaxing at the lake. Something about being out at the lake in the middle of God's beautiful creation that just makes it easy for me to be mindful of who God is. And so when I wake up at the lake, I want two things right away. I want coffee and my Bible. Okay, I should probably, okay, I need my Bible and coffee, right? Those are the things I want. And then I want to go take those things and go into the deck or to the dock and spend time resting in the presence of God with his word and his creation. And I I find that easy to desire, but then I go home and there's all these other distractions and ways to rest that are maybe less redeemable and and, and pre-existing habits, and I just slide back into those so easily. You might be the same as me. And so my challenge to all of us is to find ways to bring God into our rest and redeem it in a way that will truly refresh us at every level of who we are. We need to move from me time to me and God time. Me time to me and God time. Invite him along. Be mindful of who he is. Seek after him. Add in ways to relax that that include God. I'm drawn to this familiar Psalm 4610 where God says, Be still, be still, and know that I am God. So the first part of that is be still. Fight for your rest. Enjoy what you do. But then the second part is equally as important. Once you're still, know that I am God. Be mindful of me. Worship me. Be with me. Have a relationship with me. This is our rest as worship when we rest in a way that refreshes our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So yes, we fight for our rest. We enjoy it. We seek to redeem it. But ultimately, we need to remember that it is God himself who offers us true rest. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says these words. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Rest for your souls. Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Do you have burdens? Do you look at that verse and you say, Jesus is describing me. That's my life right now then he has this beautiful invitation. He just says, come to me and I will give you rest. Not just rest physically, not just rest emotionally, but rest for your souls. It's a promise of Christ that we can all cling to. So the fourth factor is simply just to find your rest in Jesus. This is an opportunity for all of us to choose today to trust in Jesus Christ and to accept his free gift of rest from all of our busyness and our burdens and our brokenness. The Bible reminds us repeatedly that there is rest in the presence of God. And church, this is our ultimate hope, that one day our work will be done and we can enter God's eternal rest to be with him and he will be our God and we will be his people together forever. And even before that time comes in complete fullness, Jesus even now has done all the work necessary on the cross so that we can enter God's presence and his rest right here, right now, today. 
In his book, Every Good Endeavor, Timothy Keller writes this. The relationship between work and rest operates at a deeper level. All of us are haunted by the work under the work, the need to prove and save ourselves, to gain a sense of worth and identity. But if we can experience gospel rest in our hearts, if we can be free from the need to earn our salvation through our work, we will have a deep reservoir of refreshment that continually rejuvenates us, restores our perspective, and renews our passions. This gospel rest is found in Jesus, and it gives us that reservoir of rejuvenation in every area of our life. So ultimately, this is not a try harder to rest better sermon. This is not make sure you take care of yourself because God wants you to sermon. It is ultimately an invitation to turn to Jesus, to lay your burdens down at his feet and find rest for your souls. And in that, we worship him. It is our ultimate act of worship. There are a few ways that I think we can take this home and apply it to our lives. And we, we highlighted these questions throughout the sermon. The first question is, do you have a proper balance between work and rest in your life? And if not, how can you intentionally prioritize rest in your life? Carve it out. Fight for it. Give yourself that margin. Is your rest time me time, or is it me and God time? What can you do to add spiritual enrichment into your times of rest? How can you invite God to be still and to know that he is God? And lastly, most importantly, have you trusted in Jesus to give you rest? Is today the day that you need to put down your busyness, your burdens, and your brokenness and accept that rest for your souls? Let's pray once more. Jesus, I thank you so much for the reminder of the truth that you came down to walk on this earth, to, to do the work on the cross so that we could enter that rest, accept that rest that is given that just is a spring that wells up within us and just keeps us going in every sense of the word. Father, I know we're busy people, and we're busy with a lot of good, great things, important things. But Father, you have a balance in mind for us, and I pray that we would do the work necessary to carve out that time, to enjoy it, to redeem it, to be with you, and ultimately to lean on you to give us what we need to make it through this day and this week and this month and this year. This is our worship. We praise your name. Amen.